We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith. NBA, always a lot going on in the world of professional basketball. We've got a lot to dive into today. In fact, starting things off. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. (laughs) That's right. The Jazz are now open to trading Donovan Mitchell. I think we knew this could be happening at some point, but here we are. Danny Ainge remaking this Utah Jazz roster. Keith, initial thoughts before we start diving into all the ripple effects of this. Yeah, I guess my initial thoughts were I've been ready to throw all my computer equipment straight out the window (laughs) and into the trash can for trash pickup. So I apologize in advance if this is bouncy or skippy. I have new equipment coming. It'll be here tonight. So apologies in advance to anyone who's struggled through this the last uh, uh, few shows. I know it's been frustrating on our side too. Now to basketball. Uh, Again, this is not overly surprising. I think when Danny Ainge took over, we had a sense of he might tear this thing all the way to the ground. If they don't succeed in this year's playoffs, they did not. And then the Rudy Gobert trade, that was step one. And then it was, ah, maybe they won't trade Mitchell. Uh, then there were some comments by Justin Zanuck, who's actually the general manager of the team. He works directly beneath Ainge. Um, we heard him say, well, you know, we'll never say never and things change in the NBA. And a lot of like, I'm not going to tell you we won't trade him because I don't want to hear it if we do trade him. And now here we are, report from Woj this afternoon, uh, Tuesday afternoon that, yes, they are listening to trade offers on Donovan Mitchell and not just shutting everyone down. I'm going to read between the lines a little bit and say there might be a Donovan Mitchell trade coming here relatively soon because otherwise why would that even get reported, right? Right, right. That That's true. Now, here's, here's the thing, right? I mean, the Kevin Durant trade market has a Rudy Gobert problem right now or a Minnesota Timberwolves problem, more, more accurately, in which <laughs> a lot of the NBA – saw what the Wolves paid for Rudy Gobert, went, oh my gosh, they overpaid. What were they doing? Is the same thing going to hold true for, for Donovan Mitchell, where teams, you know, the, the Nets are expecting more than Rudy Gobert for Kevin Durant, and that's the problem because teams around the NBA are saying, we're not, that's an outlier. The Wolves messed up. We're not paying that. Are the Jazz going to expect the same kind of return for Donovan Mitchell, and could that 
likewise stall out his trade market. It could. You could also look at it as the Jazz say, hey, we already got the monster return and number of picks and all that, and we're, we don't need necessarily that. Maybe they look for more value picks. Um, you know, in that sense or something along those lines, I think now they put themselves in play to say, hey, Brooklyn, if you're making a Durant trade, maybe we get involved. Not that they would get KD, but maybe we can get involved and we can you know, look at this as some kind of a bigger trade package. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton still sitting out there. Uh, we heard yesterday maybe headed to the Pacers. That's another possibility that we could see. So I think what this does is just basically opens the door for, hey, there's all sorts of ways we can go. And and because they already got that massive pick call from the Timberwolves, maybe they don't need a million draft picks in a Mitchell trade. Maybe it's more player centric. Maybe it takes send us a couple younger guys who are a little bit ready to go right now. And we go from there. Now, if the jazz do move Mitchell, does that signal a larger rebuild? And then what does that mean for everybody else on that? There's a lot of veterans on this, on this roster. Does that in theory, put everybody on the trade market? Yeah, I think it probably does. I, I think, right. You, you have then Bogdanovich, this is somebody I think a lot of teams would like to right. grab. Uh, maybe Mike Conley. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know where his value sits overall. Um, Jordan Clarkson, if you're really looking for a bench score. Then you got all the guys they just got from the Wolves. They certainly don't need a lot of them, right? Patrick Beverly, uh, Malik Beasley. I, I would assume they'd probably keep Jared Vanderbilt, right? He's young enough that you could – use him in whatever you're going to build up next. But yeah, I think at that point you do start really opening yourself to, all right, let's look at some other stuff here because what do we need all these guys who are on shorter term veteran contracts? That's not necessarily going to help us moving forward. Let's, let's uh, you know, look with those guys out. And then you really, at that point, you're looking for, you want to give us two seconds for Jordan Clarkson. Okay. Like let's let's go. Um, you know, a young player for Bogdanovich. Okay, good. We're we're gonna go and move move that direction. So that that's my guess is they're gonna if they move Mitchell, yeah, start trading the other guys too. Because what's the point in hanging on to them? So when I'm looking at what essentially the NBA has been deadlocked for a week plus in the wake of the Kevin Durant situation. Everything has just been frozen, and it's been frustrating for NBA fans who have been waiting for a lot of stuff to happen. DeAndre Ayton, Kyrie Irving, uh, Colin Sexton, all, all these players that have just been kind of sitting out there, and everything is stuck waiting for Kevin Durant to either get moved or not, whatever the Nets are going to do there. Uh, and we're going to get into KD more in a moment. Could this break up some of the gridlock, suddenly having this interest in, in the Jazz and the Jazz making it known that Donovan Mitchell's on the market potentially as well as all their other players that they've got on the roster? Yeah, it could. I, I kind of look at it as it's almost like uh, having a bit of a clogged pipe. And once you, you get that that first initial clog pushed through, then everything starts flowing right behind it. Now, that may be the way we see this go. We may see this uh, you know, be the thing that kind of comes down the pipe and bust through that clog and and off it goes you know we, we may see that and that and what you might have too is right we've heard not that there will be a jazz nets direct trade um where we did see one we saw royce o'neill go there um but we did hear you know the nets don't have a lot of interest in rebuilding when they trade durant and irving maybe they get involved and say all right hey we're made the salary matching is a little difficult all right what if we we sent you bogdanovich and conley 
or something like that. And then there's there's the salary. You know, that's uh, you know, we'll we'll get involved and we'll take back a player, you know, somewhere from another team. You know, could, could that be a way they jump in and could they help in a Westbrook trade? And then, you know, at that point you're acquiring Russell Westbrook contract versus Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. When I get excited, that name trips me up so much. I have fought that battle all year, Keith. I I, <laughs> right? I feel your pain. I, I know. Yeah. Added to a list for why you're ready for him to go. Exactly. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. The front office show brought to you by Bugs Bunny, right? Yep. Um, yeah. uh, uh, anyway, but you're acquiring him as the contract versus the player because then maybe you just buy him out if you're Utah and say, all right, go. And, you know, even if you're not getting a huge, you know, give back, fine. Doesn't really matter because, you know, what's the difference? So that it, it definitely does open up all sorts of opportunity and ways to do different things here, because now you might have the jazz involved in things. They might not have been involved in a day or two ago. Right. It, it changes the status quo. So we could see this shake things. I mean, th- th- this could, we don't know the, all the ripple effects, but this could lead to a Kevin Durant trade. Like you said, maybe this is something that allows the jazz to get in and be a team that absorbs some salary. If particularly they, particularly they've made the decision that, you know, we're not going to push to contend this year. We're not going to try to make the playoffs this year. We're going to be, we're going to join the Spurs in the tank race and we're going to try to get future assets. Maybe that does open things up a little bit because there's not that many teams right now that are looking to go that route. So we'll see. Let's, um, let's just to talk a minute more about the jazz and their cap yeah. sheet. Um, Mitchell is, has four years under contract. So that's good. If you're an acquiring right. team uh, that last year is a player option. So maybe something happens with that one. Um, but really, you've got them for a minimum of three years. So you're feeling pretty good about putting for, forward the investment to acquire them um, with that. So that, that's a good part of it. It's a good chunk of money. It's $135 million roughly over those four sure. years. Uh, worth you know, it. It, yeah, exactly. And it works out to be $97.8 million uh, over the next three years. There is a 15% trade bonus. So it'll go up just slightly in there. But, you know, not nothing too overly crazy. Um, but after him, the only fully guaranteed salary on the Jazz cap sheet as of right now for next season is Walker Kessler, who just signed his rookie scale deal. Um, you have Michael or Michael Conley, Mike Conley. Uh, his twenty-four million dollar contract is mostly guaranteed. Um, it's a, a little over half, fourteen point three million guaranteed. And then you've got Jared Vanderbilt, but three hundred thousand guaranteed. And then after that, it's like Rudy Gay on a player option. He'll probably pick that up at this point in his career. Jordan Clarkson has a player option. My guess is he'll probably pick that up because it's worth fourteen point three million. Um, but then you've got a bunch of team options and other stuff that the Jazz are in control of. So Utah has a chance here to really reset, and they'd be resetting. Think about it. With whatever they get back from Mitchell, plus cap space, plus the Jazz have one, two, three, four extra picks coming from Minnesota still. Um, they have picks to um, swap in some of the years there they have a couple extra picks coming this year in this year's draft as well so there's all sorts of stuff here where this is kind of similar-ish to when Ainge tore down the Celtics and then had a bunch of draft picks ton of cap flexibility and just move forward with, with a lot of different stuff so it's it's very interesting to me to see where he goes forward with this uh with the Jazz from here if he does trade Donovan Mitchell from a yeah, from a jazz perspective, I think that there's 
some interesting possibilities here for the future if they do move off of Donovan Mitchell. I think from the NBA perspective, this gives a shot in the arm to the flickering embers of the offseason. I mean, fans were <laughs> fans were starting to check out because they were tired sure. of waiting on this Durant thing and everything else to go on. But now, you know, th- well, this could be get told over and over, like this going to training camp. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, you start to say, all right, I'm going to move on to, you know, baseball and getting ready for her, the football season. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Um, what what teams do you think, and this is pure speculation at this point because we, do, we don't have anything official, but looking around the NBA, who do you expect to be the most aggressive trying to acquire Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, we've heard the heat for him in the past. He's more acquirable than Kevin Durant is just because the salary is, is $10 million less um, in that. So that becomes a little bit easier to maybe make a deal happen there. So I think that could could get really interesting um, with, with that. So that could be um, you know kind of a fun team to see. Uh, you'll go after him. So I think that's a team definitely to watch uh, moving forward. Um, the Knicks have long been a team that's been associated with Donovan Mitchell. But yeah. They just kind of made their be, moves to get Jalen Brunson. You'd have to be super comfortable with going really small in your backcourt with him and Brunson at that point, if that's the direction you want to go. So maybe, um, you know, maybe that is, is the way you go. So I, I don't know. I'm there. They, they could still, even with the Brunson deal, They've got contracts they can put together to go get him um, with, with ease. They've got now a bunch of extra picks because they've got a Dallas pick. They've got all the picks they got in the um, uh, Jalen Duran trade too. So so you're you're in a spot where you can really do some stuff if you were the Knicks. Um, yeah, it's – I. I'm trying to think like who else jumps out at me immediately. It's not – and it's not that I'm thinking like, well, he doesn't have any kind of market. It's just – right. The, these Finding big the team that salaries makes sense. can be hard, and yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, could the Clippers do? That's what I was just thinking. Like, you know, get you know, go a little younger and put him out there with uh, Paul George and PG. Because the other thing with Mitchell too is right. You kind of, at least for me, I tend to think of him as a shooting guard. But then I think, well, you can play the one as long as you got a couple other guys who can right. handle the ball out there and pass. Like he'd be fine at the one. So, yeah, I mean, then you're talking, you know. Reggie Jackson and stuff. They're a little light on picks, so that part gets a little harder, but they can trade picks further out because their you know obligation OKC is, is now you know closer in uh years. So yeah, I mean, maybe I don't I don't know. Teams are gearing up though. I mean, everybody seems like they're kind of starting to you know load up a little bit, not quite the three stars approach, but it does seem like more teams this year are willing to you know, take a jump and go into the luxury tax and those kind of things. Like we're at 10 teams over the tax right now. Um, so it wouldn't surprise well, 11 teams are, you know, just over ranging from just over to way over the tax. So, right. yeah, I mean, why not? Right. It's Donovan Mitchell. You're not going to have a shot at a guy like this uh, all that often. I wonder if Dallas could get into the mix. I'm not saying they've got the right pieces, but they're a team that's always interested when somebody like this pops up on the market is finding that guy that they want to pair with, uh, with Luca. Yeah, now you got me kind of kind of looking, right? Um, contract wise, they get there very easily. It's right. just do they have the value? Um, That's the challenge. Yeah, I mean, if you could convince them, you know, uh, you know, take on Dinwiddie, and you know, it'd be kind of funny if they turn Dinwiddie and Bertons into, you know, Porzingis okay. into that into Mitchell. That'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, maybe. I mean, I would have thought prior to to their, you know. I think their roster is pretty well set, but I would have thought before maybe Denver. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's, that's one now. Um, you know, I, yeah, there, I mean, a lot of teams in the East, I know, you know, Celtics fans are going to clamor a little bit because they're going to say, well, he's super good friends with, with Jalen Brown. And they had all that nonsense in the bubble where they were constantly tweeting about each other and stuff. But the problem is, you know, how's Boston going to get them without giving up Brown in that trade? And that becomes, you know, kind of, kind of your issue there. And I'm not, I'm just not sure that's the direction they want to go after, you know, they've kind of done their big stuff already with Brogdon and Gallo. So yeah, I'm, I, maybe it's somebody we're not even thinking of. You know, maybe it's some team comes completely out of nowhere. You know who should throw a whole bunch of stuff at the Jazz? Detroit. Mm. I think he'd be a great Ooh, fit with Cade. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Are they he's, are he's they really out. ready to win right now, though? But he's not 30, right? I mean, no, he he's is, not. How, but how old is he? Like, if you're Donovan Mitchell and you go from a team that's at least committed to making the playoffs to suddenly you're sure. with the Pistons and you're not sure... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But, uh, but he's I mean, under contract. Like close in the East? Yeah. Right? And he's, he's, he'll be 26 uh, in a couple months, just before the start of the season, so... It's still young enough to fit, I think. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, did, I think him and Kate Cunningham would, would fit. Now, of course, you'd have jazz fans saying, well, we would need Kate Cunningham. Right. right. But, you know, then it starts to turn into, our, well, why? Why are we doing this? Uh, but Sacramento got involved. Oh. That would be fun. I mean, are they willing to give up Keegan Murray after what we've seen? What about De'Aaron Fox and stuff? Fox? I mean, if I'm the Jazz, that's that's the first thing I'm asking for is Murray. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, especially how he's looked in the last week. Yeah. It would be just for complete comedy sake. It would be funny if he get traded in Minnesota. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would just be hilarious. So, <laughs> but all right, if we're getting to that point, we should probably move on. Let's Change all time. right. Let's let's talk about the Kevin. <laughs> let's let's move on to Kevin Durant. Um, KD Scotty Barnes is reportedly a non-starter in a Kevin Durant trade. Try to guess which side this is <laughs> this is coming from. Right. Obviously from the Raptors side of things. Um I like I understand like teams want to pair star players with other guys, so I get this. Uh do the Raptors have enough to get Kevin Durant if they if they say Scotty Barnes is off limits? Maybe. Um it depends on where the Nets want to go. If they are really committed to trying to win, uh, still, then you got to think, you know, something around Ananobi, one of Siakam or Van Vliet, maybe. 
that that's probably should be enough, but I, I don't know if, you know, and then you know, probably picks and something else. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm the Nets, I'm going to hold and hold and hold. Mm-hmm. Maybe get a really good offer and then go back to Masai Ujiri and say, hey, we have an offer in hand from Team X. Do you want to beat it? We're putting Scotty Barnes in the deal and then we go. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is interesting that the Durant trade market, now we've heard it enough different places that I'm going to say, yeah, there's probably definitely truth to it, that it's just they're finding it very much like, hey, we may not get the package we want. Um, and that is, you know, that's, yeah, right? I mean, kind of get it, right? That, that yeah. may be either way this goes. But, yeah, and so let me flip that. If you're the Raptors, you're running the team. Masai quit yesterday. He's like, Trevor, you're in charge now. Are you giving up Scotty Barnes in a Durant trade? I mean, it depends on what else is going with him. But if suddenly you've got Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, you could argue that's a that's a title contending team if you put Kevin Durant in that mix. Oh, you gotta take it without a doubt it is. Right? Me. I mean, that's that's a that's a really good team. And so you have to consider, and of course, if you're the Raptors, you're doing everything you can to not give him up because the ideal situation would be to pair him with Durant. Mm-hmm. But man, that that chance to win a championship, and you've got Kevin Durant for four more years, that's that's pretty enticing. The question is, is it Scotty Barnes plus, and how much is that that plus? That's really what it comes down to. If it's Scotty Barnes and not a lot more. Then I think you you probably do it if you're the Raptors. Sorry, Raptors fans, you probably hate me now, but uh, but I would probably do it. But if it's Scotty Barnes and enough to where I don't feel like my team is a clear contender anymore, like let's say it's Scotty Barnes and you've got to put an in Ananobi or something like that, that's where you go. Whoa, 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 and you and you, and you back away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much where I'm at too with this. And right done in Celtics world, it's a lot of discussion of would you give up Jalen Brown. And my point has been, if it was Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant straight up, which yeah. let's just pretend it worked, I probably would do it. I wouldn't feel super great about it, but I would probably do it and say, yeah, I mean, at least for the next couple of years, you're you're at number 1A on title contention, right, yep. with, with Durant, Tatum, and the rest of the guys. It's when it becomes, it's not, that would not be what it would be. It would be Brown plus plus then that's where it's that plus plus that becomes a challenge in a KD trade where it's like that's, and that's honestly, I think that's probably where the nets are stuck because if it was just give me a young player and give me a bunch of draft picks, let's go. Problem is good young players generally rarely come with the salary that match in the trade. So you're having to add something else in anyway. And NBA teams are not sitting on four or five of these contracts between 15 and 20 million that are crap anymore. Like they just, nobody has that anymore. Most of those guys are good players. So you're not just, Hey, throw that guy in the deal because it doesn't matter. So that's where we're it just makes it that much more complicated to make it a Durant trade. Right. Uh, the Miami heat have also been listed as a team that were determined to trade for Durant. Now maybe, maybe Donovan Mitchell being on the market changes that. And maybe they, sure. they shift their attention, but the heat are that team that anytime there's a star out there, just, throw their their name in the mix because they're going to be interested in making a deal i I, there's nothing that jumps out at me as an obvious trade for kd using the you know the miami heat but 
Yeah, I'm never going to pass that right That's the problem. Right? Yeah, it's, they have Bam, but Bam and Simmons can't be on the same team because of the designated uh, player rule acquiring more than one by a trade. So that becomes an issue. So that's a whole thing, you know, there in itself. And you know, KD is, I don't want to say openly, but reports are he has made it known. I go to Miami, I want to play with Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry. Well, then you're not going to Miami. Like, there's just not enough salaries to stack up in a deal to, to make it happen. That becomes a you know, major challenge in that situation. There, I, and it's funny you said that with the Heat. And, and, and don't mean this with any snark or disrespect, men. A snark comes on the market. There's two teams you instantly know are going to be connected the Heat and the Lakers. And it's, yep. you know, it's, it's just how it is, right? It's, and it, it used to be the Knicks, but I think we've, Finally, have gotten over just people throwing the Knicks in just at random because it, it it doesn't go that way anymore. But the Heat and the Lakers, every single time, they're at least gonna they're at least gonna be involved around the periphery, if nothing else. Um, let's chat a little bit about the midseason tournament. That's something that sounds like it's coming. Uh, 2023, 2024 season could be happening. Uh, is this is this a good idea for the for the NBA to have this? I know they've talked about a soccer style tournament for a while now, a way to try to you know give a shot in the arm to uh, the middle of the NBA season, the dog days of the season. Do you like this concept in the NBA? I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm trying to I, it depends on what it looks like. I you know if it shortens down the regular season a little bit, and um, I got to see how teams even handle it. Yeah. Are they even interested in this? Is this a, a thing? You know, we're, we're hearing maybe, you know, it might be where some regular season games also count as like group play games. Um, fine, I guess, then, right? And they're only talking maybe bringing 16 teams or whatever, or maybe even only eight into this actual tournament. And then everybody else gets time off. And then you kind of wonder, would we rather have the time off or do we want to go? Yep. Right. Like, is that, you know, let's, I mean, if you're a veteran team, you might rather say, eh, I'm good. You know, if I'm the Warriors, you're probably like, eh, let's not make that tournament, you know, or do you go and say, Hey, guess what? James Wiseman, uh, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, young guys, you guys are playing, you know, 35 minutes a night. We, that's the thing I, I you know, as you know, um, I throw myself into English soccer um, over the past couple of years. And like, I've noticed that some of those midseason tournaments, they treat them, especially the early rounds, a little bit more like hey, it's developmental time. Like we're going to play right. the younger players, the guys who don't get a lot of field time, we're going to get them out there with them let them play, sit our regulars and rest them up for, you know, whether it be another more prestigious tournament, because that's the challenge right over there. There's like five or six of these sometimes that are going on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. We gotta, I gotta, I gotta see all the details on it before I really want to pass judgment. Cause I didn't like the playing tournament idea after the bubble season, the bubble season, I got it totally understood why they did it there. And it made sense. I wasn't sure I wanted it to stick around. And now, now I kind of love it. So yeah. I'm not like, yeah, let's see. I, I like you, it as long yeah. as the teams are invested. And, and yeah. I don't know exactly what they do in order to make that happen. But as long as yeah. the teams don't just look at it as this is a chance for rest, then then it's fine. If it becomes that where teams just say, we're not, you know, we're not playing to win in this. Let's just LeBron stay home. Kevin Durant stay home. All the stars stay home. Mm-hmm. Then 
it loses it loses its uh, luster very quickly. So we'll have to see exactly what the NBA does to incentivize teams to make sure they don't just use it as an opportunity for rest. Uh, and, last thing. Know, one, one, oh, yeah, sorry, on that, I just want to say, you have to incentivize teams and players both. Yeah. Right? Because there's talk of you know a million dollar per player prize or something like that that the players get. And I know some people would be like, like, like let's use the Lakers, for example, because it's LeBron. Well, why would LeBron care? Well, LeBron would care because you don't think LeBron would like to get Max Christie, Austin Reeves, an extra million bucks. Like a lot of those guys do care about that stuff. Like that is important to them. Um, so that you you would still get that that's enough motivation on the player side. I think on the team side, though, is what's well, our motivation to play play LeBron 40 minutes a game in right. this silly tournament that has no bearing on our ultimate goal of winning the title. Um, Bobby Marks threw out an idea. I think it was on the low post where I heard it. And he's like, do you give that team the right to pick their playoff opponent if they make yeah. it into the actual playoffs? And there's all sorts of things, but that's, that's exactly, you have to incent the teams too, because otherwise what's the, what's the point on their side, right? Like if the end goal is still, I want to win the NBA championship. I don't really care about winning the you know, David Stern cup or whatever the heck they're going to call this right. thing in the middle of the year. Like, I don't like, what, what does that do? You know, that, that it'll become like, Oh, you hung a banner for it, but it's like hanging the division title banner. Sure. Right? Nobody yeah. cares about that. And there's, you know, and, and I realize you and I are coming from very on high with things like that. We're like, who cares about division titles? Like right. they don't even hang those in Boston or LA because they don't matter, but it is just like, I get it. So, yeah, well, let's see how they incent both sides. Maybe they'll make rings for the midseason tournament, too. <laughs> Could happen. I don't mind the summer league rings. No, it's it's fine. It's a little goofy, I think. Yeah, it's a little, it's goofy, a little but, silly. I agree, but but I didn't have to pay for them. As long as league pass doesn't go up in cost. Then <laughs> that's <pay>. right. <laughs> uh, speaking of costs, the NBA, they, need to, they want to discuss... Uh, the Warriors spending. And this is something that uh, the Board of Governors wants to look into. They spent a fortune uh, in, in putting their Almost team together. 350 million. Yeah, 350 million. I mean, so the NBA wants to take a look at this because they don't want to be a sport where the path to a championship is through the checkbook. It's just by mm -hmm. spending more than everybody else because then, well, I mean, then we get, then we get money ball, right? There, then we get... Yep. 50 feet of crap and then the Oakland A's, right? I mean, that's that's not the, what the NBA wants to have. So they're going to take a look at this and see, is this really a good thing that the Warriors had such a high payroll and then won an NBA championship? Part of that is owners want to protect themselves from themselves. They don't want to be in an environment where they have to spend in order to win. That's part of the CBA, why it exists is in order to ensure profits for, for owners. But this is something to keep an eye on because we're seeing more and more of a discrepancy between franchises and particularly between owners. You look, I mean, look at a guy like Steve Ballmer, right? Who has more money than anybody in sports. Um, if teams are able to just spend their way to a championship to even a higher degree, maybe than we've seen in years past, then that creates a difficult spot for the teams that don't have an owner with, with incredibly deep pockets or so I understand yeah. why the NBA would want to look at it, but I'll tell you this, Keith, the flip side of it to me, is I have a hard time feeling sympathetic for owners who have watched their franchise valuations go through the roof in the last, what, decade or so uh, that are then complaining about having to spend on their team. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, so I, I want to preface this with I have no interest in defending billionaires who have toys, not wanting to spend on the toy. I um any Celtics fans who watch this and also um ever watch Locked On Celtics with John Corrales. No, I went on there and I, I went on a huge rant where I was basically like, look, if you're not gonna spend on the team, sell the team, because this is ridiculous. Like that you're you're the Boston Celtics. I do push back a little when people say franchise valuations because you only get that money if you sell the team, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean, yo. Yeah, what what I think sure. it always thinks it means. You know, it's like it's like right. I get those letters in the mail that says your house is worth X. Yeah, if I sell it, and then where am I going to live? Because it doesn't mean I can just immediately buy another house. But I'm with you on that because I do feel like like if you're going to cry poor mouth, get out of the business. Someone else will buy these teams. Like the worst team, I don't even know what it is. You usually it gets Forbes does those team valuations. Right. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be like a billion and a half to two billion dollars to buy an NBA team. And we're already hearing that for an expansion fee. And that's going to be teams are going to be terrible for you know a number of years. But where where I do understand it is it's not that the Warriors can do this. It's that can the Thunder do this? Can the Trailblazers Trailblazers is not a great example because Paul Allen, but they're going to sell the team, right? So it's as you get into those smaller markets, Indiana, those other teams. Can they go there, right? Because they have to set some cap on this because their owners aren't as rich as the Warriors owners. And that's where, you know, you run into these issues. Like, look at Philly. I mean, I know Michael Rubin got out of it. Uh, The Fanatics guy, he's no longer part of the ownership group. That's going to be a whole other thing. Bobby Marks touched on that. He was like, they funneling money to James Harden outside of the cap? Like, what's happening? Right. Um, But, yeah, I don't know where that's going to go. It's all going to be very um, interesting to see how this plays out because the penalties are already pretty severe. I mean, the Warriors are basically double in just in tax penalties alone, the next closest team. Like, I don't know how much more severe you can make it. Now, the other thing, and I think Nate Duncan pointed this out on Twitter um, after Mark Stein initially reported this is a thing that owners want to discuss at the Board of Governors, Nate was like, that sounds great that the owners are here. This all is collectively bargained, right? Because these luxury tax payments can affect player movement and right. player salaries. So that gets tied into to the player side of this too. So my guess is this is just setting the stage for, hey, we want to have a conversation about maybe leveling the playing field a little bit more and let's see where it goes. You know, but in general, you know, a bunch of billionaires that are gonna maybe whine over another billionaire spending a little bit more on his hobby. I don't know. I you know I'm not sure. I I'm gonna get overly uh, sad for any of them on that. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, front office fans, front officers, front runners, whatever we want to call you, uh, let us know your thoughts. What do you think about about this situation? What do you think about Donovan Mitchell? 
and what's going on there. Let yeah. us know in the comment section. If you're over on Apple Podcasts, let us know in the reviews. Appreciate you guys joining us. Apologies for any of the technical issues that we may have, have had here. That should be Hopefully the last day episode. of that nonsense. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So thank you guys for bearing with us. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.